Welcome to the Eden Podcast. We are back again this week and I have a very, very special guest with me. Well, I say that every week. You're not that special. (laughs) Not special at all. Yeah. So who are you? Um, My name is Johnny Abbott. I work for The Forge. I work with Ben. Have that honour. Yeah. And uh, work uh, as the location leader of I. So have the little church up there, which is great fun. I. And I is new. It's brand new. uh, Launched April last year. uh, And it's been brilliant. We've got... As of recording, we've got about eight baptisms coming up in the next couple of weeks, Sweet. which is super exciting. We've seen... What's baptism? Baptism. What's baptism? Ah, oh, this is a great opening question. Mm-hmm. So baptism... For this those, is not what the podcast is about. It's not what the podcast is about at all, but we can talk about baptism. It's a fun thing to talk about. Baptism, uh, Jesus got baptized when he was on earth. When he came down, he set this example of going under the water and coming back up afterwards. And this phrase you'll often hear, which is been quite sort of religiously taken has a lot of even negative religious connotations is repent and be baptized mm. and that word repent in particular is quite uh, significant and feels quite religiously and 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 nasty even to some people but all it really means is to turn and face it comes mm. from two different words re to turn and pent to look up as if you're looking up towards a mountain and you can almost look at it in the same way as if you're a child doing something you shouldn't be in the corner and your parent you hear their voice behind you uh, and you turn and face up, so you turn away from what you were doing and face up to a greater authority. Uh, that's really what repenting is. It's turning away and facing up. And then baptism is just the symbol of that. It's showing people that you've decided to turn away from what you were doing and face up uh, to the person you want to start following. Turn and face is like what I used to say in football. <laughs> turn and face. Like, I'm going to change face, that to repent now. That's it. <laughs> I would have said that in football, but I'm bad at football. So yeah, I didn't really mate, that never say. stopped me. I said it never ever stopped me. Pass to them. Pass to them. <laughs> so what, tell us one thing that nobody else knows about you. Nobody else knows about me. It would have to be fairly recent because I think everybody knows. Is all your dirty laundry out there? All my dirty laundry out there. Uh, yeah, pretty much, I think. I'm trying to think of something. I feel like everything sense. I know about you is bad stuff about women. <laughs> not like not like generally. that sounds incredibly no. tell you what this is something that i've only explained to alex although there were people who were there at the time that i just found really really funny uh, alex who has a big deal in setting up the podcast alex producer alex producer alex who a- actually he was the host two weeks ago he was the host two weeks ago and he um uh I'm he back. got married recently to lovely oh for Beth. goodness sake this flipping wedding does it keep on coming up in the podcast but in the i got a mention in the Bye. speeches I got a mention in the speeches. and uh, I'm not doing it anymore. This flipping wedding. He's gone. He's gone. So. You were invited. <laughs> I was invited. All day as well. All day. So uh, Alex, uh, Alex got married to lovely Beth. And when Beth did, uh, Beth's dad did his speech, he mentioned oh, me wait in the a speech. Minute. So continue with your story. But can we talk about Beth's dad's tie for a bit? I can't remember it. What? I genuinely can't. Alex, can you remember your father-in-law's tie at the wedding? So from my memory, I had a lot of red wine. Um, But from my memory, um, it was yellow with a cross on the bottom of it and two wedding rings. Brilliant. It was like... It was like Jesus threw up on his tie. <laughs> <laughs> he, I'll tell you what, he's a lovely man. Oh, Dave, yeah. Lovely man. Definitely. But as he was, was, That was a compliment about the tie. <laughs> but as he was speaking, as he was doing his, um, his speech, he made reference to a story that happened when I was living uh, at their house. I rented a room for, oh, yeah. uh, for a few years, but that's not how he, he said it. He said there was one evening where Beth woke up screaming in her bedroom because a mouse was there and he just went, Johnny was there. 
and left it at that. And everyone turned and looked at me as if I was the weird boyfriend that somehow got invited to the wedding. It's like, this needs some context. I was, like, this I was paying for a room. Yeah, I down the tenant. hall. I slept through it. It was fine. So, um, so uh, that's something that not many people know about me, that um, uh, I lived with Alex's fion- uh, wife, <laughs> Alex's wife for a few years, um, but not in the way that you might consider. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I feel like you. it's weird like that you lived with Alex's wife before he did. Mm. But anyway, this is not about Alex's flipping wife. We should change this to the flipping Beth, what's her name? Beth um, Laver. <laughs> uh, the Beth, that's your name. Uh, the Beth Laver podcast, doing my flipping head in. I'm joking. I love you, Beth. She doesn't listen to the podcast. She might do by this time, by the time. You don't is. listen to the podcast. What's your problem? Well, I was going to listen to the podcast, but then I was invited onto it and I thought I'd have a clean slate. I, I wasn't sure what to expect and I quite liked it like that. Okay, well, I could screw you over with anything now. So one thing that we ask our podcast guests to do is, um, and no, I can't think of it. <laughs> I can't think of anything, I'm sorry. But anyway, so um, if you're listening this week, you might have picked up the cycle that is book club this week. And um, for those of you that are new, um, like Johnny, <laughs> our guest, um, we review a book every like one, some month-ish. Um, but it's good because I don't read... Um, so I haven't read the book, which means that me and you, the listener, uh, are on the same page. Um, so at the moment, Johnny's holding in front of me a book by Bob... Bob Goff, Bob, not Bob, Bob Geldof, Bob as, Goff. as Alex originally. And it's called originally. Everybody Always. And it's kind of like... I always compare the length of books to kind of like Harry Potter. I'd say that's like Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets, definitely. Chamber, yeah, Chamber yeah. of Secrets sort of length. Maybe bordering on Paperback. Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, I don't know. Um, it's kind of like soft. It's not hardback. Like when I had Stefan on the other week, so he went hardback and it was like, you know, at you the point of recording, money. at the point of recording, it has been the New York Times bestseller had sold uh, a million copies. And so today have released a hardback copy. Oh, right. I think fact, you cheaped out. What's that? I think you cheaped out. I, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks well worn though. It looks like you've really, well, I've like, read it. I've read written it. in it. I've studied it. It's yeah. great. Go on, give me... So, firstly, tell me about the geezer. The, the guy who wrote it, Bob yeah. Goff. Yeah. So, Bob Goff uh, runs a charity called Love Does, which is uh, the title of his first book that Love he did. Love Does What? Uh, well, this is it. And so, Love Does that's, what? that's all the book Love is about. Love Does What? Uh, what does it do? <laughs> all sorts. Now, what you, does it do, Johnny? If you read the first book... What does it do? Uh, is this what the podcast is What does like? Love Do? Is this what you do to everybody? <laughs> give me an answer. That's not the book that I'm reviewing. What's, well, Love I'm reviewing does what? everybody always. So, Love Does What? Love Does... All sorts of things. What does it do love then? requires your life. Love is who you're known for and what you'll be remembered for. And uh, right. yeah, particularly if you're a Jesus follower, is all that you should be chasing. After. Love, love doesn't. Love doesn't. Love doesn't. Love doesn't hate. Love doesn't hurt. Love isn't impatient. All sorts of things. I'm gonna. Not I'm unkind. playing up to you. I'm playing to you. <laughs> I'm playing up to you. That is cool. So you should know that um, I. Uh, well, when I did Stefan's um, book review, I kind of like tore it to shreds. <laughs> That's right. Mate, bit. You can do that. It's like I just have this like negative feeling towards books. I think it's because I'm jealous. I'm jealous that I can't. You can't read. Well, not that I can't read, but <laughs> I can't enjoy the read. Mm. This you is quite an enjoyable one because it's lots of stories. So, so tell me about Bob. So, I feel like that's a. Sh- uh, is he Robert? Yeah, no, I think it is Bob. I, I gave him an awful um, 
thing there because you kept on interrupting. But um, we might give him a phone call later because I've got his phone number so we could see what he says a Weird. little bit later on. Um, but, uh, but Bob Goff, he heads up this charity called Love Does, which does all sorts Love of different what? things. He sets up schools all around in uh, areas uh, which are poor. So uh, from Iraq to uh, Uganda, in this book, he talks about how he meets with a lot of different witch doctors uh, to help situations witch in Uganda. Which doctors are those? <laughs> witch doctors with a T. Um, he, uh, yeah, he basically is a full-time person who loves other people and was a lawyer. Uh, okay. So, oh, so he's retired? Uh, I think he stopped law. I don't actually know. Um, okay. I don't know. We could ask him later. Um, Christian? Christian guy. Christian guy writes from a Christian perspective, writes from a, a perspective predominantly to Christians. Although uh, if you're not a Christian, it will give you a great understanding what Christianity mm. is about. Okay. Um, so would we have heard of him kind of on anything else or... Uh, if is he associated to anything that we might have heard of? If or? you come from a church background uh, and are familiar with uh, Christian authors or okay. uh, Christian speakers, you may have done. So that's his, that's his audience. Yeah, that's and, that's, his game. and that's predominantly who I'll be speaking to today. Although, as I said, if you're unchurched, if you're listening, if you're curious about faith, hopefully this will give you a great understanding about some of the stuff that we believe, some of the stuff that we look to uh, promote. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to throw a we in there. How we? How, how I, at least yeah, how yeah. I, because I Speak agree. Speak for yourself. <laughs> how Bob Goff, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I might need some convincing on this one. Um, so what's the book about? So the book is about uh, becoming love in a world full of setbacks and difficult people. So, oh, okay, I'm already on board. Yeah, so, so it sounds like it's about Jesus. This is it. And so when I first started reading the book, I actually Instagrammed it and said, everybody should read this book. And then as I slowly went through the book, I thought, oh my goodness, I really need to read this book. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think the reason I wanted everyone else to read it was because I realized I'm a fairly difficult person. Uh, and you so, want everyone and to I want, accept I, I want you everyone else yeah, to love yeah. me. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's pretty much that. It's Sorry, like, no, Johnny. Uh, hey, hey. It's how to extravagant. <laughs> it's how to extravagantly love people. Yeah, yeah. Well, love does. <laughs> love does. Because you're going to keep. If you that ask up, me, love you? does. Love does. It does. It does. Um, so, the overview is: how do we love people? extravagantly extravagantly so the work of the premise is this and so if uh, if you're a jesus follower it talks in uh, jesus talks about how, how will you be known so we're known for a whole bunch of different things uh, you might be known for your your job for your finance for your family for a reputation for something you've done uh, and when jesus was on earth people sort of asked like how is it that we should be known if we're one of your followers and his answer was profound he says actually all you're going to be known for if you're a follower of me is how you should love one another. That's if you're a follower of me, that's the thing that people should talk about mm -hmm. most is how you interact with other people. Yeah. Um, which good. is something we often agree with, but often I don't think we live out. And when mm. you dig into some of what he says, when you dig into, uh, often the challenges that he promotes and I felt deeply challenged. I feel awful at some of the stuff that he talks about. Go doing. on then give, but, give me some like, because I think a lot of this language can be really airy fairy. Sure, definitely. Talk, talk to me about what this mean, what this meant for your life, and some examples. That's great. And so I think um, that's a really good place to start. I think he. he I know that's why the host. That's why you're a great host. Um, <laughs> he talks in he talks in it talking about how actually as Jesus followers as Christians, what we often can do is we can be really good at agreeing with Jesus, and that's a great place to start. But something that's interesting is Jesus never actually asked us to agree with him. I mean, that was already just assumed. Like, you know, we don't, you know, when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, whoever, you know, you can't find the father except through me. He doesn't say you can't find the father 
uh, you can find the father as long as you agree with me. Like he doesn't say right. that he he actually requires something of us. And so we use this language airy fairy because it's really easy to agree with, but not particularly easy to, uh, to work. And so I think one of the things that I struggle with and something that I picked up on is that whenever God asks us of something, and if you're not a, a church goer, if you're new to faith or interested in faith, you might, uh, recognize some of this is what Christians can do is I think what Christians can do is they can take everything that God say and they can put them in two different camps. They can put one in one camp that says everything that God told us not to do. And we're really good as Christians with that thing because we know exactly what to do with it. We put a blanket ban on all of those different things. We say, if you want to be a good Christian, if you want to be a good Jesus follower, don't do any of those things. They're bad things. We're going to judge you for those things. We know exactly what to do with that column. And actually within those things, we're not necessarily even bad with those things a lot of the time. We often get a bit of stick for that and sometimes fairly so. But actually within the context of church, within the context of discipleship, within the context of a lot of love and grace, actually that can be a, a we, we often treat that column fairly well. The problem is what we do with the other column, which is things that God tells us to do. And we don't treat that with, I don't think, anywhere near as much significance as we do the first column. And we often put a calling next to it if we're going to do it. So for example, God talks a lot about adoption. God talks a lot about uh, caring for the poor. God talks an awful lot about justice. God talks an awful lot about extravagant love to one another. And yet when it comes to it, it's like, oh yeah, but that's only for the called. That's called for the, uh, that's for the the ministers. That's called mm-hmm. for the missionaries. The people that work in church. Exactly. Yeah. It. And and that's just, that's just really not the case. Um, uh, and I think if we start to treat that column with anywhere near the amount of significance as we do with the first column, uh, I think our lives can significantly change for um, the better. And I think when we, we fail to do that, when we live in the light of the first column, several things can happen. I've written down three. Can I read them? Is that allowed? Great. So the first thing we do when we live in the light of the first column, where we only concentrate on the things we shouldn't do, uh, is we become quickly known for our opinions rather than for the love that we have for one another. We become this judgmental group of people that really uh, stand for nothing other than what we're against. Uh, And that's just not what Jesus asked us to do. Jesus Mm. asked us to do a whole bunch of different things. uh, And uh, in reality, that's... um, uh, when we only concentrate on what he asks us not to yeah. do, uh, it just doesn't work. Faith becomes half of what it should be. Um, I think the second thing is what we mentioned earlier is we uh, we risk agreeing with Jesus rather than actually following him. And finally, I think what we do when we live in that light of that first column rather than the second one is we live in insecurity and we distance ourselves from people uh, of whom we disagree with because we feel awkward. We feel that if we hang around with people who disagree with us, who have different political ideas, who have different thoughts, who have different ideas, um, we can feel incredibly insecure that other people are going to see us and and think, oh, are they like that? Are they like those people? And they might get a different idea from, from who we actually are. Uh, and we end up ironically distancing ourselves from people who Jesus surrounded himself when he was on earth. Um, and so uh, one of the lines that I love that he, Bob Goff writes is, he says, I've spent most of my life or my whole life distancing myself from people of whom Jesus spent his whole life engaging. Mm. Um, and I think that's incredibly significant. Like, such as? How do you mean? What, what sort of people come to your mind? That's, that's brilliant. So I think it's... I just, I just want to make this as practical as possible. Brilliant. Like, I want to speak to you about the book. Mm. Not so, the author about the book. So, like, brilliant. bring in your stories. You know what I mean, like, and that's great. And so, I think you're comfortable. So, for those of you who are familiar with the Forge Community Church, which uh, is um, part of the Eden Gatherings and everything else, 
Uh, the Forge has its mission of wanting to become a church community that unchurched people love to be a part of. And I'm fully for that vision. I think it's an amazing vision to have. The problem in my life, and, and this is where I become quite honest, is that often I can see that as becoming a church community that unchurched people that I quite like can be part of. Yeah. When it comes to those difficult people we know, those people that we sort of try and distance, because it's just, it's a pain. It's an effort. When they, they ask for help, there's always the excuse to say no. Uh, it's how do we love those people? So I'm not talking about people who can actually be quite toxic and damaging and abusive in our lives. Um, yeah. I think there's a way in which we love those people, but it's different. Uh, I'm talking about the the people of whom, uh, when they ask to to spend time and, mm -hmm. and and really, it's it's giving that extra piece of time. And when I've done that, there's been some of the most exciting parts of my life. Yeah, so obviously you're not going to. It's been difficult. You're not going to name. No, <laughs> it's a name. hard one to talk. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not going to name names, but I'm interested to know, like, how have you been intentional, intentional mm. about making these changes in your life? Like, have you? So, one of the things that I love about what you've done at Forge is this um, man. I can't remember how snazzy how you put it. So snazzy um, <laughs> that the feeds the, oh, the Forge feasts. Yeah, sure. Um, so is that is that something that's come out of this, like helping everyone feel part of a community. Like what change have you made in your life to mm. actively pursue this and make it intentional? So I've just read the book. So yeah, there's yeah. been, there's really been nothing. So you've done nothing. So yeah, so you've, you've done, done absolutely nothing. nothing. So I've done nothing since reading of the book. Uh, <laughs> although, yeah, so it's all intention, no, no destination, but uh, so yeah, Forge Feast would be something that would really fit into the, uh, this category, this yeah. idea of opening up homes. It's doing the extra. It's not just uh, having people over for dinner where you can put a charade on who you are. Uh, and again, I think that's something that, that as Christians we can uh, we can do a, a really good job of. We can put a, uh, a a cover on who we want everyone to see us. You know how we want everyone else to see us, uh, and then eventually we can you know we can show that without showing actually everything behind it. Forge mm. feasts, I think for me, the the best forge feasts can so be the say most authentic and vulnerable. So forge feasts, uh, simple idea: invite people around for food, take a picture of it, Send show everybody selfie. else. That's yeah. literally it. Yeah. It's it's trying to promote eating together. Uh, it's, it, it shouldn't be something that we have to promote. <laughs> uh, no, it shouldn't, but ironically, it's something that yeah, is, yeah. you know, speaking to Loneliness people. is such, like, it's a theme that, I mean, you wouldn't know because you haven't listened, um, <laughs> but it's a theme that's come out on the podcast a fair bit. It seems to be like a real... I've had three big. conversations about loneliness in the last 24 hours yeah. with different people yeah. um, and not all about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, well, who's the common... <laughs> yeah, who's the common yeah. denominator? Yeah, no, yeah. no, genuinely, it's, it's massive. Mm. It's massive. So you... What changes are you are you gonna make? So I think what, it's, what what changes in culture do you hope to see happen? Yeah, and so that's quite specific. So like how start, can we? Yeah, I mean, I'll how start can we with take me. this on board? I think I'll start with me. I'd encourage everyone to read the book because the stories he goes into are hilarious. They're they're brilliant. You know, you'll read about how he's as an office in Disneyland and all the different things that he looks to do. It's amazing. But for me personally, I think some of the things that I need to start with are the people that are closest mm. around me. Uh, for me, I often get it in my head that I'm doing a great job because my job requires it of me. Like, you know, I, I have the honor and I have the privilege of working for a church. And so it's incredibly easy to have that fallback of thinking, I do a great job because I get paid to love people. And I look at the life that Jesus led and I think that's just like so totally different from mm. the life that God, you know, yeah. Jesus calls me to. And so I think it's starting intentionally with the people who are closest around me, uh, the people that I live near. Um, I've, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. I feel like I do a good job because I learn people's names. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no. You know, I, I and it's that. like, I kind of was like, oh, it's great. But, 
but what next? You know what I mean? These people are going to be having different issues, different life circumstances. And what would it look like for me if I really took a genuine interest of stepping through that barrier of awkwardness to get yeah. to a place of breakthrough where I invite those people over, where I genuinely spend time uh, concerned about the things that they're concerned about, helping the things that that they need help with without the judgment and the, uh, the wanting to distance myself because they're not like me. Yeah. And it's good that you've been honest. You've been honest with us there about that being a struggle in your life. But I think that's just a theme that's reflected. Mm. Like not even within church. I know church should be countercultural in that really. But like when I was growing up, which wasn't that long ago, I knew all my neighbors I used to like go mm. out the kids and that, you know, would have like, games of cricket in the close and like stuff like that. But like now to know your neighbor mm. is like, so I don't even know why that is. And I think it's true everywhere. I think it's, I've, I've noticed it significantly more since living in a rural area. I think the, the idea of deliberately moving to a slightly more rural area, at least where we live, uh, the chances are, and this definitely isn't true everywhere and with everything, but the chances are you probably have a little bit more money. Um, so you deliberately move out to a place where maybe right. other people are you're less aren't. bothered by people. Yeah, so um, exactly where things are quieter, where you can afford fences, when you can afford effectively to do everything without leaving the comfort of your own sofa. Um, we now have that ability to do right. that. Yeah. And so it, it, it subtly, and no one ever uses this language, of course, but it subtly pushes everybody else away so you can have your own... Uh, your own place the way I describe it is almost that you, when you had the invention of the earphones and you walk down the street with earphones in mm. it's like a real subconscious but obvious way of putting a bubble around you saying I don't want to be disturbed uh, and with our homes oh man but that's so much better than like when you're on the tube and someone isn't using headphones <laughs> oh and then my they goodness. play the music or like out loud on the bus sure. or yeah. just anywhere <laughs> honestly if you are that person please like just sort it out like I'll buy you headphones because you're doing my editing. <laughs> so, but it's, yeah, no, I, I agree. But with the, um, with the housing. me if you're on the same page as me about that, because I feel like I'm quite annoyed about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so with the housing, it's exactly the same. It's the, it's the putting up an invisible Have you got your headphones on in your house? <laughs> oh, that's deep. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is deep. It is deep. So yeah, so going forward, so you're going to start at home. So you're, you're going to start with you. You're going to start. Yeah, at I home. think so. And so, um, like I met my neighbour Anne the other day for the first time. Oh, and, Anne, what a babe! And so, if you're looking for practical things, I think it's the it's actually something I heard from you, Ben, with your infinite infinite wisdom that you often share. I'm not sure if you shared it by mistake, but I've took hold of it and shared it lots and claimed it's my own. Uh -oh. Um, but it's the I think you <laughs> nervous. <laughs> no, but you said you said once that uh, breakthrough often comes on the other side of awkwardness. Yeah, yeah. And it's true with everything. You know, if you're uh, if you, if you're, you know, um, if you're in a band and you're, you know what? I did actually think of like, that is actually Ben Lasky copyright. Is it? Like, that's actually quite smart for me. I'm going to Google it to see if anyone said it first. Yeah, but, no, do. But, do. um, but, you, but I mean, it's the, if you know, if you're in a band and you're playing guitar and to get the crowd warmed up, there's a certain level of awkwardness that you mm. have to break through. Um, maybe it's a silence, maybe it's introducing yourself, maybe you're int introducing the evening, whatever, that you have to go through in order that there's this breakthrough of dance and fun and, uh, and music. And I think it's the same when you love one another as well. 
And for a lot of people, there's an awkwardness because many of us would listen to this and think, that's a great, I wish I knew my neighbors more. I wish that I could have some of the relationships that this guy, Bob Goff, talks about in his book. You know, I wish I had those, but it's, I've left it too late. I've left it too late because I've lived in my house for a year or two years or six years. Yeah, or it's, 10 more, years. it's more awkward, isn't it? But what would it look like if we embraced the awkward and sent a card that says, this has been 10 years overdue. Do you want to come around for a meal with me? You know, what would that, I mean, yeah, I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to be as silent as they have been for the last 10 years. <laughs> like that's literally the most. I think you're an utter. Yeah, that's, and, fine. but the reality is I don't think they will. I think people, you've talked, you know, you've said in the last few weeks, you talked about loneliness as a, an on-running theme. And, and if that's the case, then why would they, uh, why would they flee from that? So, but I just going back to what we were kind of saying before, I think that is something that is seen badly by people. Like, so I don't know Anne. Mm. Your neighbour, Anne. Her name's Anne? Anne, yeah, yeah. I don't know if she's single in her 20s. I don't think she is. But if she was single in her 20s and you send her a card saying, hey, come around for a meal. Mm. So it's appropriateness, think, it's boundaries, it's... it's yeah, yeah. It's, but um, I'm just saying that's that's our culture is that that's all of a sudden weird. Mm. And so, Which it shouldn't be. Yeah, and so if that's the case, if you're worried about that, there's ways of getting around that. And so Anne isn't, but if, if Anne was, uh, and if I was worried about, oh, will she think this, or will she think that, um, there's ways of doing that, saying, hey, yeah, yeah. I'm having a gathering with you know, three other people, four other people. Yeah, um, uh, definitely. Notice your next-door neighbour, we haven't connected at all. Come around. You know, and I, I think, think that stuff that helps that is if someone... Mm like in the royal family gets married yeah yeah it's stuff good. like that and there's, you know. there's opportunities with with that bob goff talks in his moment uh, in his book talking about how friendships are built over periods of three minutes mm. uh, and he has a great story with a, a flight um security guard that he sees every time he goes into an airport uh, and he says he became incredibly friendly with this one guy because of three minute interactions that this you know and it was in this intentionalness that happened what, someone that like frisks him <laughs> well i'm not sure if he was that guy or not but within a similar sort of role yeah, right but um yeah I i'm mean, not chatting to that guy you'd get close quickly <laughs> wouldn't you but anyone that does that job is not something that someone that i want in my life so maybe <laughs> maybe that is the guy that i need to talk to <laughs> but it's the unlovable frisker it's three so with within the royal wedding stuff within everything else it's the what are the opportunities where you can get those three minute conversations and and build something intentional and it's it takes vulnerability. It takes authenticity, which mm. are the buzzwords of the day. But I think go far deeper than that. Oh, mate, should, definitely. Um, that's. I think that was another the theme of the book that stood out for me of of how much is it that I and and I'm a real advocate for authenticity and vulnerability, but realized how far I am off the mark when it comes to those different things and how mm. in, how insanely important they are. Uh, yeah. You know, even looking in in some of the New Testament stories after Jesus, you know, the only people that it says God explicitly struck down in the New Testament, we talk about God striking people down. The only people he explicitly struck down in the New Testament were people who were faking it. Mm. You know, there were people that sold their land and said, oh, I'm going to give everything away to God. And they kept a little bit back and, and they faked it. They, they, mm. they pretended to be people who they just weren't yet. Uh, and I just think, wow, like, I mean, I don't know why God struck them down. I mean, I have a million different questions about that, as I'm sure uh, you guys might as well. But I think that's incredibly significant that one of the things that God was like, uh-uh, I don't want that in my church is uh, it's being a fake. It's, it's, it's showing people it's like, you know, pretending to be in a place where you're not there yet. Yeah. Um, and I think that's significant. And I do that all the time and was deeply challenged by that. So we've heard about Johnny Abbott, the man, the mystery. How the changes his certainly not the legend, but 
obviously you are a church leader. Mm. You are um, influencing the culture of a group of 40 adults, 40 families, more uh, than that. Yeah, more than that. I'd say so uh, uh, on, a, on a good Sunday, if, you, if, you, if you're going by attendance, if you're going by engagement and the rest of it, on a, on a good Sunday, uh, I'd be, you know, we'd be connected to maybe 60 adults, maybe 20 young people at a push and um, maybe 20 to 30 kids yeah. as well. So, so call that 50 odd families. Yeah, yeah, we'll call it that, yeah. Um, you're influencing culture in a town we're supposed to be in and for our community. What does that look like? How are you going to bring this new passion of yours? Or this, mm. I don't know if it's a new passion, but this this kind of new thing. How are you going to bring that to church? What does that look like? That's great. And so um, uh, I say this with a caveat because it will sound like I'm against what we do when I'm really, really not. I think I, I love it. No, I think everything that you've described is exactly what we've been aiming to do this year as oh, a church. 100%. Um, I think good. <laughs> we, the, the place where we start is we try and differentiate the difference between doing and becoming. Um, and so we can often have a really, uh, fe- we can often feel really, really good when we do different things. And when we, uh, we say we, we do different things, but actually when it's who we become, it's uh, an identity in which we behold, where it's a passion that we long for, uh, where there's no agenda behind it of pride and insecurity, that actually things really amazing happen. And so that's why I push Forge Feasts. That's why I push people going around to eat food. Like, I mean, I'm not caring about a picture that's sent to me. I love it because we get to celebrate it together. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't care about the numbers of people that have meals every year. I mean, it, it really doesn't affect me at all. But for me, that is just such a sign of people genuinely caring, genuinely I think it's just an intentionality exactly. about it. Mm, and without agenda without agenda mm-hmm. and without insecurity. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there are just, I, I mean, it's serious. I, I can't do this book any anywhere near the justice it deserves. Um, you can, uh, the way I'd recommend reading it would be through uh, maybe going through a chapter as a devotion every day, um, right. just because it's, or just as a, a Would it read all right like kick, that, would it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, other than the last four chapters, which goes through in a phenomenal story, which I can share if you'd like, but um, maybe the last four chapters read as a whole. But uh, but the rest of the chapters they can almost read as a as a daily encouragement uh, mm. and as a daily passion filler if you want. Cool. Mm. What's the story? What's the story? So the story. How long? Wait a minute. How long is it? Oh, not too long. Let's see. Like five minutes. I can probably fit it in. But What's the name? Alex. Have we got five minutes? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say it and then we'll cut we'll it. it, and then we'll cut it. <laughs> Go for it. So. <laughs> So the um, the story is uh, about Bob and how he he has strong links to Uganda, uh, and he he, uh, he has strong links to Uganda, and he loved us. He does, uh, and he loved us. A Ugandan, um, a Ugandan, uh, 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 the guy who does the courts, <laughs> the judge, judge. That's the guy, really high up judge, and he meets him, and he finds about this culture in Uganda where there's a whole bunch of witch doctors. Witch doctor. Witch um, doctors. Witch doctor. Those? Witch doctor. Uh, and it's it's actually incredibly tragic the way he describes it because at the point of where he uh, it, within this story, not a single witch doctor had been convicted for anything they'd done, and now yeah. what they'd often done is uh, mutilate children, yeah, uh, yeah. cut their heads off, kill them because they thought there was something yeah, yeah. about it. In fact, within Uganda, they used to pierce the ears of young girls and so they wouldn't be perfect sacrifices for the things the witch doctors killed so there wasn't a single one convicted and he was an old lawyer and he he, uh there's a a great story that we won't go into about how he met with this judge and said hey look if there's if there is ever a way in which we can try and convict one of these witch doctors to help these children 
we will do anything means possible. Now, the problem was that the authorities were too scared to do it um, because of yeah. the, the power they, which doctors they, had in the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were often, and this, the saddest thing is, there wasn't any witnesses left alive. There weren't children left alive yeah, yeah. to be able to stand in court and do it. But there was one occasion where there was a boy, Charlie, uh, who had been mutilated and left alive uh, by one of the head witch doctors in the area. Uh, and um, uh, just time sort of completely fitted together. It was like one of those ordained moments where Bob was able to fly over to Uganda uh, and be part of the case that put this guy uh, away after this. And he helped Charlie sort of recover and, um, and met with Charlie and got to know Charlie. And he said, initially, it's an amazing story of the support he had, you know, the support he gave to this child. But it's also an amazing story because he said the this guy... Uh, uh, like he sort of just gave the image of complete evil and it's also a story as you go later into the story of how he eventually got to know the witch doctor who'd done horrible things horrible things to the child that he eventually adopted he eventually adopted charlie My goodness. Um, yeah it's phenomenal and he uh, and uh it's, it's just uh, you know he went into the prison where he went to and the only reason he got to go into the prison was because of the title he'd picked up as this almost ugandan ambassador i guess is the best way you can put it but um but he met with this guy and this guy eventually started baptizing other people within the prisons. Uh, he used, he actually set up a school for other witch doctors, like a school for witch doctors um, in order that they might be able to read and write and be educated. Mm-hmm. Um, the only textbooks were his book, Love Does, uh, and the Bible. Does so um, <laughs> so he he goes through all of those different things and it's it's phenomenal to see that. So yeah. one day he's... He's sitting at home and he receives a phone call from one of these witch doctors saying a new witch doctor has come to town. He's kidnapped a child. We're going off to save the child. Uh, And so, I mean, that's like the last four chapters and it it gives you a real insight and a vulnerability to him on the things that he struggled with in terms of the thing. Because all the rest of the the way through it, you look at it and you think, that is amazing. This guy sounds out of this world. How do I ever become like that? And actually within that story, despite it being one of the most significant, heart-wrenching, crazy stories that we're probably never going to experience ourselves... It's the story that reveals most about him, I think, in terms of how uh, some of the inside wrestling, you know, you have to do when it comes to loving enemies. Mm, that's good. Have you got one quote that you would leave us with from the book? I could try. I could try. So you, you what? Why don't there? we call Bob Goff and say if there was one on. quote? If there was one Give quote him a call. And off, if he doesn't answer, we'll, we'll just wrap up. I'll wrap up. But um, So Bob gives not his number in not the book. Not like two weeks ago says, when I literally did wrap up. And he says sick. that he says that we can uh, we can give him a call. So let's let's see. I'll put him on loudspeaker and see how it goes. Yeah, hold it right up to the mic if he does put. Here we go. Pressing call. Loudspeaker on. The number you have called is not recognised. <laughs> <laughs> I could try and retype it. <laughs> There's a bit I've missed off. I think. Hey Johnny, I'm Bob. Genuinely, my phone doesn't like American contacts. So, Johnny, is there one quote that you could leave us with from this boat? So boat? I think, <laughs> from my, this boat? From the book. From the book. I think my favourite uh, quote is one I've actually heard before, but he, he picks up on it is... Uh, not on the phone. <laughs> not the phone. Uh, is he asks, um, what if we really treated what Jesus said as if he was, if, as if he really meant it? Like, what if we really treated what Jesus said as if he really meant it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, that would completely change how we live if we yeah. really took that seriously. Johnny, thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome. <laughs> and um, yeah, good job in Iron Man. It's, it seems like something's happening there, doesn't it? Like the church is growing and Forge Feasts are happening. And I look forward to seeing how this kind of plays out. Because I think it is like, 
if we do get hold of this, it can change our environment dramatically. And mm, if it sure. looks more like Jesus, that's something that I want to be a part of. So I'm looking forward to how it looks in your life. Um, so if you want to be a part of all this, again, like we take, spoke about loneliness, um, Eden is all about community. That's why we do this podcast is to engage with you on a weekly basis. We've got food nights and they're coming up really, really soon. And the next gathering obviously will be really soon as well. So please go on to edengathering.co.uk for all the details of that. We've got social action. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can see the next event date and you can sign up for those food nights. And all that is left to say is Mr. Alex Laver, will you play the music?